Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Uh, so can I tell you a story to get us, get us going? Uh, a couple, several, more than a couple, more than I would like to admit years ago, I lived in a house with a bunch of other single guys all in our early 20s. And uh, we were all in the same small group. We knew each other from church. Uh, and that's how we got connected. And uh, we had a guy visit our small group, and uh, which was great. And through the, he he was invited by somebody from Ohio State. Uh, no, I won't go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, uh, the Ohio native has to control it a little bit. Uh, but uh, he was invited by somebody from Ohio State. And so uh, he came to our small group. Through the course of that night, we ended up finding out uh, what was going on in his life. Um, and he was in a pretty desperate situation. Um, his, uh, his partner had kicked him out of the house and broken up with him. So he was homeless. He lived several states away from his family. And uh, he had been sleeping in his car for a while. So we're finding this out through the course of, of the night uh, in like snippets of conversations. And so we ended up inviting him to sleep on our couch uh, for, for a month. His name was John Paul. Uh, he was a really, really nice guy. Uh, his study habits were super annoying. He uh, liked to do all of his studying in the middle of the night. He would literally go to class, come home, and go to sleep, wake up at like 10 p.m., and then he would start to study, which would have been fine if he did it quietly, but he also liked to study with rave music and techno music going at, uh, from like 10 a.m. to like 4 a.m., and then he would crash for three hours and then go to class again. Um, so that was a little frustrating, but everything, you know, but, uh, you know, we were Christian guys. We had some rules and he lived by them. He, he was okay with it when he was in the house. Uh, he was a good guy. Um, a couple of weeks after moving in, he, uh, I got home from work and found him on the couch looking terrible. Um, and I would say that to his face, so I'm not not being mean. He really, truly looked bad. And I was like, what is up? And he told me about his day. He said that earlier that day, he had gotten a phone call from his ex-partner uh, who was HIV positive. And so he had spent the day at the clinic um, getting tested um, to see if he was. Um, and he had to wait for a week. And so he was just a wreck. Uh, we were all like pretty like uh, this feels above our pay grade. Like, I'm not even quite sure what to do with, you know, how to help you right now. Um, but we prayed with him. We talked. And then we kind of did life. Because what else can you do in some situations? And so uh, a couple days after that, it's Sunday. We go to church. And John Paul didn't go to church with us that morning, probably because he was sleeping after listening to his rave music during study time all night. And uh, so we're at church, and the sermon was, uh, had the prayer point was, come up if you have somebody in your life that you really need to pray for. 
And so uh, us as roommates came up and grabbed, you know, seven or eight other guys from our small group. And we just huddled around the front. There was like 15 guys all in our early 20s, just up at the front, um, praying, crying, asking Jesus to come, to heal him, uh, to move in his life, to make him aware of himself. And uh, through that time, we felt like we heard, like Jesus heard us, but we didn't feel like we had any answers. So a couple of days go by and I get a phone call from John Paul. And he was crying again, which I wasn't quite sure if that was good or bad uh, this time. Um, but it sounded more optimistic crying, so I was hopeful. Um, and he said, I just have to tell you what happened. He's like, I was driving to the clinic to get my test results. And the whole time, which the test results came back negative, and that was good, and he was happy about that. But the thing that he was really the most happy about was honestly not that at all. He said, I was driving, and I just kept hearing this voice saying Jesus to me over and over and over. And I felt like this joy and like uh, peace that I had not felt at all. He's like, in the entire drive. And then I park, and I'm like expecting to start freaking out. And he's like, and I just kept hearing it. And then I went in, and I got the paper, and I came out to my car. And it was like, I almost kind of didn't care what the result was, because I just felt at peace. And he's just crying, because he's happy that it's negative, but really because he just experienced something that just dramatically changed him in that moment. I think that was about 17 years ago, if I can do the math. And I have no idea where John Paul is at this point in his life. It's been a long time. He moved within like a week after that back to his home, which was several states away. Um, but I do know that he'll never forget the experience that he had in that car when all of a sudden the voice of Jesus started speaking to him in his most desperate and kind of end of the road moment. He won't be able to walk away from that. Jesus spoke life when all he could think about was death in that moment. Two weeks ago, I read from Habakkuk 3.2 and it says this, I've heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. In this time of our deep need, help us again. So it's saying in our desperate moments, in our complete and total lack, in our times where we just don't have what we need, help us again. And that phrase, help us again, in the original Hebrew actually means bring me back to life. In my time of desperation, bring me back to life. This isn't a prayer for just a cup of coffee because you forgot your wallet at home, although those are really nice when you get a free cup of coffee. It's a prayer that you pray when you are like at the end of the road and you're saying, God, I am literally dying. I have nothing. And if you don't come and move, this is it for me. So I need you to bring me back to life. 
bring me back to life. And I have good news for us. The first thing is that Jesus wants us to pray prayers like that and that he, he answers those sorts of prayers. And if you're in that sort of spot, that's really good news. The second piece of news that I have for you is that just like we did with John Paul, as followers of Jesus, you're called to pray these sorts of prayers over other people around you. To pray desperation prayers and to ask for God to come and to bring life into the middle of dead situations. That's a calling that we have on our lives as followers of Jesus. We pray it over ourselves, yes, but we're called to pray it over others. So this morning as we continue our series, Breakthrough Prayers, we're reading Ezekiel 37. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to actually prophesy these sorts of prayers over our own lives and over the lives of others to prophetically speak life to dead things. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into it. Jesus, I just thank you that you meet us in our moments of desperation. And God, I just pray for John Paul that wherever he is today, that he'll be reminded of your presence within that day. I pray for the people in our lives that we could tell stories like that. That wherever those people are at, that you remind them of the ways that you've moved in their lives and that you've met them in those spots. God, I pray for us, for the times that we've seen you show up in moments of desperation, for you to come and remind us of what it looks like for your presence to be there in those spots. Thank you that you are a God who meets us in those places and that you do bring life. And I pray that this morning that you will give us hope hope for renewed life in the middle of the death that surrounds us. Thank you for your presence here with us, and we just ask for you to come and to speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible, open up to Ezekiel 37, or if you have a phone, you can open up to Ezekiel 37. Um, It is... uh, almost at the end of the Old Testament. But as you're looking for it, in, let me tell you about Ezekiel. So in 597 BCE, to be exact, um, Babylon attacked Judah, and they attacked Jerusalem. And uh, during that process of destruction uh, coming into the land, they ended up taking a lot of the young folks, uh, exiles, back to Babylon. And so... They uh, made them kind of like force march across the desert, across not nice places, back to a foreign land. And so as they're going across, Ezekiel is one of the people who has just been taken from his home and brought to somewhere new. He was a young man who was training to be a uh, priest at that point. And uh, because his dad was a priest and his grandpa was a priest and his uncle was probably a priest because that's how it worked. In Israel, if you were a priest, everybody, every man in your family was a priest. Uh, And so in Babylon, I don't know what he was, but he wasn't a priest. 
And he has these six visions during his time there. And during Ezekiel's lifetime, Jerusalem was completely destroyed, even more than what he had seen, completely flattened. And so he's praying and prophesying and seeing visions as all this is going on around him. And in Ezekiel 37, right before this, uh, we've been told that Jerusalem's been destroyed. Uh, and specifically that the temple's been destroyed. It's been flattened. So the whole place that he had spent his life is no longer there. The, the promised land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now an occupied territory. The, the temple that probably in their amount of money would be like billions of dollars had been spent on was just flattened to nothing. And there is nothing left to go home to. Most of the Israelites at this point barely even acknowledged God, and most of them didn't even worship him. So it's in that sort of a headspace that Ezekiel 37 begins. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And he led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. And then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Uh, I love that in our minds, we try and make him sound so holy in that moment. And he's holy because he responds and doesn't give a completely sarcastic answer. But honestly, if you're looking at a field of bones and somebody asked you if they can become alive again, you're not going to give them a very serious answer, right? I mean, that's a pretty ridiculous question. But what we see Ezekiel saying here is he's looking at it, and he's saying, God, why are you asking me these questions? Like, why? You're God. I'm acknowledging that. That's more than everybody else is. Why are you asking me these rhetorical nonsense questions right here? Why don't you just tell me what the answer is? And I love replies like that in the Bible. They give me a lot of hope for us. Uh, you think of Job after his whole family is, just, is, is killed and he loses everything. And he says, well, I don't know about anything else, but I believe that you're actually still God. And God said that was faithfulness. Mary, the mother of Jesus, as a like 14-year-old girl, if my 14-year-old, no, now 15-year-old daughter came home and said that she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, we would have a conversation. But as that, she said, like, I don't know what to do with all this, but if this is what you want from me, then I'll go. Peter when everybody else, it says, had walked away except for like five of them, they've all walked away because Jesus said some like crazy stuff. And he's like, are you going to go too? And he's like, I don't know. I, I, you're God. And I can't go anywhere. Where else can I go? Who else can I go to? And Jesus was like, that's good faith. Like those sorts of replies give me hope. Like, okay, I can reply like that. I can live like that. Can they live? I have no idea, but I know that you do. So tell me what you want to say. 
And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. Speak to these bones. Speak. Say something. God's reply, can they live? Sure. You got to say it though. And what I love about Ezekiel is that he does. It makes me think of the story of uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Um, One of his stories. He has some crazy ones, but one of his more normal stories. He was walking and praying and he comes to a broken down church that kind of looked like that uh, in the countryside. It was the church of St. Damiano. And he stops and he goes inside and he starts to pray and he's on his knees and he's asking God to show up. And he looks up and he sees the crucifix. He sees a cross and he feels like Jesus starts to speak to him from it. And he says, Francis, rebuild my church, which you see is falling down. And so you know what he does? He leaves And he goes and grabs tools, money, and people, and he comes back to that specific church, and he starts to rebuild it. He takes the bricks, he takes the stones, and he restacks, and he ends up, they end up rebuilding this broken down church in the middle of nowhere. And as they're almost finished, and Francis is like, I did something awesome. He hears God speak to him again and say, hey, dude, I meant my whole church, not just this one. And he's like, oh, I'll need more money. You know, like, I don't know what he said at that point, but like, it was, you know, it was hard. Um, But what I love about what Francis does, what I love about what Ezekiel does, is that they just got to work. They didn't sit there and like, okay, let me think if I actually want to. No, they just start doing it. They start doing something. And friends, let me say, whatever the vision is that God's given to you, sometimes the answer is you just need to get to work. Just start stacking bricks on top of bricks. Start making things happen wherever you are. The Holy Spirit tells you to speak. Just start speaking. Jesus tells you to build something, grab stones and stack them on top of each other. You feel like you're supposed to reach your neighbors? Great, go throw a party. You feel like you're called to missions? Great, go talk to Rob and Liz after church and put it in your calendar when they're going to Spain or the DR next year. You feel like you're called to leadership? Great, come and ask Sarah or I where you could start serving next Sunday. Start doing something. Don't sit there and wait for everything else to be built out in perfect picture. Start to act Start to do what he's telling you to do. Move and speak. That's what Ezekiel does. And then this is what happens. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. And the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. And the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. 
I give him props for, for speaking to a valley full of bones. That is, and he probably did it in a, a pretty like unemotional sort of way. Um, but this is creepy. Like it's creepy, right? Like he's watching skin and like muscles and stuff form. Like this is weird. Super weird detail that he gives here of everything that he's seen. Um, and then at the end, they're still dead. They're dead, fully formed bodies. It's like uh, reverse decomposition, right? You know, like the bodies had already went down to nothing but bones and now they're back. And so then they got to go back to it again. Like what is going on at this point? Uh, Joshua, can you put up the next one there for me? So this is what Christians like to do with this passage. And you can laugh at it because it's ridiculous right there. Um, I think we got a little disco going, uh, like hang 10, bro. Um, like, this is not what the picture is. It's not skeletons dancing in the middle of a field. Um, that is not actually what is going on. They are dead bodies laying there. Now there's thousands of them. Dead bodies laying there. There, you can, you can go and buy your own t-shirts later on. You're welcome. They don't give me any money for that. So, you know, they're welcome. Uh, but they're dead bodies. So let me ask. Have you ever prayed for something and feel, felt like God only did half of what he said he was going to do? Have you ever obeyed him and said something or prayed for somebody else and then afterwards you just have to walk away and you'll be like that was not what I expected to happen have you ever felt like God gave you a promise and it's 15 years and you're still waiting the field's still filled with dead bodies kind of like dead bones just becoming dead bodies not a lot of joy in that, right? When I was um, 18 or 19, I needed all four tires on my car replaced, and I had no money because I was 18 or 19. Um, and so I did the only thing that you could do because I also had no credit. I called my dad, and I asked him to pay for everything. Uh, all the parents are like, yeah, saw that one coming. Uh, and he graciously did paid for the tires because other like they were truly getting ready to like pop it was bad news um and it was like thanksgiving so it was like around a month away from christmas as thanksgiving always is um and uh so there you go you're welcome calendar time um so he he paid for it and i was grateful i was able to drive home for christmas you know like that's that's what counted right so uh Christmas morning, we're passing around gifts, and I get a little, you know, one of those like gift card boxes, and I was like, ooh, I wonder what's in here. I'm excited. And so I, you know, everybody's going around. We're very ordered in our family with opening gifts. I don't know if you come from a family that just rips stuff open. We have to take time with each person and like, ooh, that's amazing. I'm so happy with your makeup set. Like... <laughs> You know, and you're like, I just don't, I just want my stuff, but whatever. That was our family. And 
So I get to mine and everybody pauses to look at me open it and a receipt falls out (laughs) for tires one month ago. And I mean, I was grateful for those tires one month ago. Um, On Christmas morning, I was uh, grateful would not have been the word that I would have used in that moment. Um, It was Christmas. I wanted more. And I got a receipt. I was not happy about that at all. You know, friends, I think sometimes we feel like we're getting receipts for past maintenance from God. And we're like, I got to be honest, you know, whatever term you want to use, familial, you know, or just straightforward God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Dad, Father, whatever. I got to be honest, I did not want this at all. This is super disappointing. This is not the thing that I was asking for. And... I think in that moment, there's an invitation to us. Usually we we just kind of get stuck at just waving it at God saying, this stinks. But I think in that moment, there's an invitation to us to stop and to listen. Because I think if we do, what we're going to hear him speak up and say, who said we were finished? I'm not done working. Look at this. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies and they all came to life and they stood on their feet, a great army. God says, don't stop speaking, Ezekiel. I didn't pause. Prophesy breath. The word for breath here is the Hebrew word ruach, and it's translated also as wind or spirit. And it's the same word used in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Or in Psalm 33, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created and he breathed the word and all the stars were born. The breath of God, the spirit of God brings life to unfinished things. But what does it mean to prophesy life in this way? You know, prophesy, uh, it means to speak under divine influence and that doesn't mean like Uh, that you lose control and you don't know what's going on and then words come out and you blank out afterwards. Uh, It it doesn't mean that you're like in a trance-like state. It just simply means that you hear God speak and then you say what it is that you hear him speaking. Sounds easier than it may feel at times, but that's all it is. Prophesying requires two things, a willingness to listen and a willingness to speak. Are you willing to listen, and are you willing to speak? Ezekiel listened, and then he spoke what God had said to him. 
you know, sometimes you say the word prophecy and people get weird and they either get super spiritual or they get really scared. Um, they like hype themselves up. I grew up in a church that hyped themselves up a little bit with some of this. Um, and then other people just say like, this is impossible. The only thing God speaks through is his word, which I think that God does speak through the Bible. Uh, but then they say, but he doesn't speak through us. And I would say, I disagree. I think that he does actually. But what if instead of going to extremes like we like to do, we just paused and we said, okay, what are you saying? And we just listened. And then if we heard something, we spoke. What if we did that? What would happen? This is what he, how he finishes this thing. And God said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they're saying we've become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will, bring, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord, and I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. You feel like all hope's gone. Guess what, Ezekiel? I'm going to breathe my spirit, and you'll live again. And this isn't just an Old Testament before Jesus, like weird prophet picture. It is, but it's more than that. It's a picture of us. Titus 3 says this, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. And our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Just as we were slaves to lust, full of evil and envy and hate, we're just dead bones in a field. Jesus saved us and washed away our sins. He spoke to those bones. And he gave us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And breath came into their bodies. The word for a Holy Spirit that's used here in the Greek is the word pneuma. It's the same word that they translated the word ruach in the Old Testament when they translated everything from Hebrew into Greek. So they were using it to imply that same life-giving presence. It's the same thing. Friends, we have been, maybe we are, dead bones in the field. We're hopeless. We're without life. We're without breath in us. And then Jesus comes and he breathes life. He breathes the Holy Spirit into us. And he gives us life. 
Just like it says, like babies that are freshly born. You may feel like all hope is gone, but guess what? It's just simply time to breathe.